0: our health issues started to become very painful. We have three kids, three girls, and our middle daughter had viral induced asthma and was putting her in the ER since she was three. So every winter it was like, anytime she caught a cold, we were basically taking her to the ER. We were terrified every time she got a cough, if it was gonna turn into another one of those situations where you're going to the ER, calling 911. That was really a very trying time for us.
1: You are listening to the Manage Mold Podcast. This podcast was made for families on a health journey that need the real, no-holds-barred answers on how to create and ensure a healthy home. This show should be your launching pad to give you the information, guidance, and inspiration and clarity you need on your journey back to a healthy home. My name is Dean Malstead. You can find and follow me on Facebook and LinkedIn. Welcome to Manage Mold. Welcome everybody to the Manage Mold Podcast. I am totally excited today to have another person that we got to meet in our path, going through everything we went through, coming back out into doing the things that we learned in real time in our business, and then helping with some inspection pieces. And this was actually early on when we had the Instascope, so there was still some learning curve there but we got to meet a couple and they were dealing with some things in their home and health issues with their children and i am going to Laura go from here and really tell us her story i want her to share freely what she wants to share she's been such an encouragement actually to our family and our business because she and her husband both have they've been through the ups and downs like so many of us and when you acknowledge those things that are real the ups and the downs, and know that the really bad days, when you keep advocating, when you keep fighting forward, the bad days fade away fast and the good days tend to stick. And Laura and her husband, Jesse, are two of those people that have been fighters that we've watched. And they're actually two of the people that we really wanted to have on this podcast early on, because we want all of you to find hope. We want you to be hopeful in your attitudes that even if you're in a really dark spot right now and everything seems hopeless, you have to understand so many of us have gone through this and there are a bunch of us who came out on the other side and you can get better. So without further delay, here is Laura and I want her to tell her story.
0: All right. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Dean. Yeah. Like Dean said, our story is very, I will call it extreme. It, I don't want to scare people off when I say that because mold is already scary on its own. But I think there is so much to learn from our story because of the extremes that we took it to. Um, We felt like we had to for our kids and our health. And being a year after getting out of mold, I'm really glad we made all those decisions. But yeah, I don't want your listeners to get scared off because of any of the things that I tell them that we did to find the mold, but we did find it. There is hope. We were one of the most I don't know. We were so hopeless, so desperate. And I just want to come on here and say that there is another side. You can get out of it, the mold, you can heal from it. And then the other thing I wanted to say one of the most important things we learned from our mold story was to listen to your intuition. There's so much of our mold story that we knew from the time we bought our house that there was something mold related in our house. And we sort of tamped it down and put it on the back burner. We just didn't. Appreciate it. We never brought our awareness to it because we were scared, right? It's just one of those things. But yeah, so I guess let's start at the beginning of the story. Where why did we suspect mold? So some general things clued us in. We purchased our house in 2009. The house was built in 03, so it was only six years old at the time. There had been some window condensation. I guess symptoms. You could see the darkness on the windows. The basement always had kind of a musty smell when the dehumidifier wasn't running. We learned a few years after purchasing from neighbors that the previous owner didn't disclose flooding in the basement. So there was that kind of at the back of my, our minds. And then in 2014, we had a dehumidifier leak. It was moldy on the carpet. This was in the basement. We just kind of did a DIY situation where we, we cleaned it with a... I don't remember the, the chemical agent, but there was some spray we used to clean it up. And we had the carpet people cut that piece out of the basement hallway and they moved carpet from the office over to the hallway and we just put new carpet in the office. So we probably displaced some mold when we did that. But none of these, I put in quotes, obvious things were actually the real cause for all of our health issues. So our health issues started to become very painful. We have three kids, three girls, and our middle daughter had viral induced asthma and was putting her in the ER since she was three. So Every winter, it was like, anytime she caught a cold, we were basically taking her to the ER. We were terrified every time she got a cough, if it was gonna turn into another one of those situations where you're going to the ER, calling 911. That was really a very trying time for us. And then, so that was when she was three. And then the thing that put us over the edge to finally say we need a mold inspection done was our youngest daughter, who was only 18 months at the time, this was just in 2018, she had persistent, painful, itchy eczema on her legs. It would not, nothing we did helped her. We tried the strict gaps diet, and that can take a very long time to kind of heal. Eczema is one of those last things that heals, which is a good thing. But nothing I was doing was making any sort of dent, which surprised me. I was really waiting for Something to happen after like 60 days, even, right? That's a long time to wait. We made natural homemade lotions and potions. And the one thing that was the kicker was I spent 10 grand on a detox program that did nothing. It was supposedly going to cure our eczema, it was going to cure all my ailments I was having. You know, I was in a place where I was eating the most clean diet you could ever imagine strictly for a long time. I'm talking like at least a year, and I couldn't lose weight. I was holding weight in the middle of my, you know, in my stomach area. It just it was odd. So all of those things, and finally the eczema put us over the edge. We're like, we need to look into the mold thing.
1: How old was your oldest daughter at that point when the youngest was 18 months?
0: Kira was she just turned twelve, so she was ten.
1: Okay. So you'd already been dealing with things for a year and a half easily.
0: Yes. By the time I called you It had been, yeah, easily almost a year of this eczema that just started to show up, right? And it wasn't, nothing was helping. I changed, I was taking everything out of her diet. I was still breastfeeding her when it came up. So I was literally removing nightshades and dairy. I mean, I wasn't eating dairy. I already removed dairy and gluten. I literally was eating like four foods just to keep her safe. And then You were mama
1: and papa bear when I showed up. Yes you were doing everything that you could.
0: Everything, everything, you know, and that's why I spent $10,000 on that sox program. I'm not proud of it, but I feel really bad when I talk to my husband about like, I cry. I'm like, we wasted $10,000 and the guy was a jerk. So that didn't help. But the problem with it was that it did nothing. And he's like, Laura, you were just doing what you had to in the moment. Like we were desperate. I literally was like, I will pay you any amount of dollars to take this eczema away. I could not stand it. It was so it was hard on my heart. I think I need to park on the eczema part a little bit because I feel like if you have kids who have eczema, persistent like chronic eczema, you know exactly where I'm where I'm coming from. You don't need to know this part. But I think a lot of people, like loved ones of ours, don't understand it until we tell them She was diaper changes. She was literally scratching all the skin off her legs the instant her legs were open to air. She was in full body onesie, you know, the footed pajama things for a year and a half. I mean, she still wears them now because she's used to them, but like she was confined to them for so long because we couldn't let her scratch her legs raw. When the summertime was terrible, we became even more socially isolated than before because we couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't take her anywhere. And then on top of her eczema, she had all these food allergies, right? And sensitivities. She literally was down to like two foods for a year and a half. So you can't go anywhere because you're afraid of what she's going to touch and break out and get hives. And you don't know if anything's anaphylactic. So it was really a very one. Yeah, it was another low time. Briella's asthma was the first one and then Cameron's eczema, but In the end, there was a purpose behind it. (laughs) So that was when we called in Dean and we met you for the first time and had you come in and do the mold inspection with the Instascope. And I remember it was very new technology in your hands.
1: Oh, yeah. It was very new, probably a month or two in my hands.
0: Yeah. But it was so interesting to me that I was like, let's do it. You know, it sounded like it was real time eyes for mold. Like seeing the mold without like breaking down walls and whatever. And I think that has to, it has to be said though, that it's still your instascope and your abilities and knowledge and intelligence helped us so much and gave us the confidence to move forward. We're like, okay, there's mold here because right? The levels were just insane high.
1: Yeah, they were big enough.
0: But the thing that was still hard was it can't tell you where it's at. Right. It can kind of give you general locations.
1: Well, we've gotten better at that also. Yeah, I'm sure. And we've gotten better at knowing false positives. There's different things. And because shortly after you and I met and shortly after I was at your place, Mm -hmm. I actually started kind of stressing out the system (laughs) and we had a lot of field trouble because I was using it differently than previous users had done I was using it from Papa Bear got his family sick in a time period when he was in an industry that he should have been on top of it. And for a full year, he, not blatantly, but kindly ignored his wife, <laughs> whose gut feeling was saying, something's wrong in our house. Yep. So, yeah. So, when I use the Instascope, when I do forensic, if I didn't have the Instascope, I'm still pushing the edge. So, yep. yes.
0: Yep. And I knew that about you because of the phone call we had had. Absolutely. I I, And now you know me enough to know this, but I do my research thoroughly. Yes, you do. Especially when it costs over so many dollars and especially when it's a life-changing thing. So I spent many, many, many hours trying to become this mold expert before I called you so that I knew the questions to ask you. And I think that was apparent in our phone consult. But, yeah, I knew the instant we started talking that you were, I don't know, something that fell out of the sky for me as some answer because you were exactly who I needed to talk to. You knew your stuff. You knew the part about mold that most inspectors or people in general, general population, you knew more. You knew the side that people don't know about, that I had started to learn about before I'd called you. The kind of really scary stuff, right? The stuff like it's hidden and it's affecting your health you can't just wipe it away with bleach sort of thing.
1: Right. The stuff that made me only be able to be awake for three or four hours a day for some periods of days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So let's jump into, I guess, how we found the mold. We, and I think I told you this part. So we had multiple inspections done, right? And we knew there was a mold problem, but the kind of confusing part was we no one knew where it was or what the source was. We speculated. We all speculated. We're like, okay, it could have been the dehumidifier, displace some mold from the carpet. And a lot of it had been hanging around in, you found high levels in our daughter's bedroom. They were sleeping in the basement. The two are older in our middle. And then we thought common basement humidity with carpet and pads sitting right on concrete. There was a the potential that there was something with foundation, but there was no way to know until we did some de- demolish something, which we hadn't yeah. done. So after meeting you, we're like, all right, let's just cut the cord and move. Let's just sell this house. Let's just remediate the basement. We'll sell it with full disclosure about that. So that had been the initial plan. So we went and I don't think I told you all the stories about trying to find apartments the very first time, but the first round was very difficult. It was very hard to find something for three kids, you need three bedrooms. So it was like, we didn't want carpet. That was like, you had, I mean, there's no way around that. We have sensitivities to animals, we think. So it really narrowed down where we could go. And then we finally found one place that we had, it was a place we had lived at in the past, um, the complex, not the actual unit. right? And I had went to that unit two different times to look for any signs of mold, to do, I think I had tried to do an ERMI also.
1: Yeah, you were definitely involved with ERMI at that point. I remember that.
0: I don't think I sent that one in, though. I can't remember now. But long story short, the day that I got the key to move in, it was just me who went. I got the key. I went in. I'm like, okay, I'm going to look around one more time. So I'd already been here twice and looked around and tried to get a reaction. Like, I just sat in the apartment unit for I don't know. It was probably 15, 20 minutes to see if I reacted at all, because at this point there had been enough fluffing in our own house of mold spores that we were starting to have reactions just being in our house. The tangly lips was one of mine. The uh, my husband got like a chalky throat. That's what he calls it. Kind of almost feels like a sore throat starting. So I went in one time and did that. He went in one time, and then I went in the day to move in, and the him move in or tried to. I went to the bathroom and I peeked around by the toilet at the cabinet. And sure enough, the, that top veneer was sort of curling and I pulled it up and I saw mold, you know, it's right by the toilet. So I'm like, Oh my gosh. So the toilets leaked at how many times, or maybe just one time. And it went up the cabinet and then husband, I made him go in and look and he pulled it up further. And so we got out of the lease. We just signed. And we're like, okay, I guess we're not selling our house. And I should preface, I should say too, that we had found a mold remediation company to take care of the basement, right? And I called him back and I was like, okay, we're not moving out anymore. We're staying in the house because we don't have anywhere to live now, but I need you to do a full remediation of the entire house. He's like, okay, we can do that. And with when he had come in to give me the quote, He was the one who had seen there was an OSB piece. So in our basement, we have a tub or bathroom, right? With a tub and a surround. And from the utility room, you could see behind the tub surround and there was a piece of OSB. I don't know what it was there for. And I don't think anyone really knew. I can't remember now, but there was a little darkness on the bottom. And the first time he came in, he's like, oh, there's darkness down there. As in like moisture, water damage. He couldn't figure out really why. And we're like, I don't know, maybe it was the flooding, right? That no one disclosed before. And so because we were staying, I was like, you can't just spray that anymore. I'm like, I need you to take the whole tub out, the whole surround out, because we're staying in this house. We have to move back in. So I got to come back to that one, because that's actually not the first thing we found when we moved out for remediation to start. We had foyer tile floor pulled up. And the bathroom upstairs tile floor pulled up because it had a bad subfloor. It was cracking. They were like, okay, we're doing all this other stuff. Let's take care of that flooring that we've talked about for nine years. So the floor removal people come in and they take these tile floors out. And Jesse and his dad go into our house to take care of all the rest of the stuff to clean out for remediation to happen. And they go in there and it's black mold all over the floor in the up. The upstairs, sorry, the main level bathroom. And Jesse's like, "Ah." he's like, when I first saw it, he's like, I thought someone threw dirt on the floor. He's like, I was so confused. He's like, it looked like dirt, and I'm guessing that was probably a stacky or something. Stacky. And you and I talked about it, and we tried to figure out why, what it came from. And you and I, our conversation about it, is what we ended up telling the insurance adjuster, who, for some magical reason never had someone come in and verify that there was a toilet leak. But you and I were talking about maybe there was a slow toilet leak over time inside the, I don't know what you call it, the base of the toilet, where it was like every time you flush, it was basically a little bit of water leaking out over the side and going into the subfloor. So that was mold source number one, the huge one, that we'd been living on this black mold in our main floor bathroom for who knows how long. And then the second source... The second main source was because I made our remediation team pull out that tub surround. They had to destroy the whole bathroom to get it out, right? You have to tear walls apart and destroy everything to get it out. He, They found that the kitchen sink drained into that wall, right? In the pipe. And that pipe was clogged with what I can only imagine is buildup of fat and grease over the years. and then. On top of that, it would have been fine because any normal pipe then just it overflows into your sink and you're like, oh, there's a problem. We have to get this jetted or whatever. Well, there was a faulty joint and so water was just leaking through that joint every time. I mean, we used to, you use the sink all the time. So it was just leaking into the wall. The guy guessed for probably five years or more. So now we had this massive, mold source that was hidden behind walls. The only thing that was seen was this tiny little darkness on the OSB behind the tub surround that you had to see if you leaned over the wash machine with a flashlight to see.
1: Totally hidden away from a normal day.
0: Exactly. So there's a second huge hidden source of mold. I just couldn't believe it when I got that phone call. And at the time it was on like day four of remediation. It was scheduled to be five days long and it ended up being seven weeks long (laughs) because this happened. So when this happened, I, the poor remediation guy, I was like, you need to take apart pretty much any other source that has the potential from any plumbing or whatever that could have water damage. So I made them take apart the kitchen countertops because I was like, I was afraid that the kitchen sink splashing water was getting behind the, the backsplash. That ended up not being moldy. There was nothing moldy behind the dishwasher. There was nothing moldy under the refrigerator. And that floor had been taken apart too. So we had like basically subfloor going on here, right? Because we were having all the carpets taken out, so everything was subfloor. Everything was exposed. And then I think I'll just go. I'll just go through the list of the ten sources of mold that we found. I would so, like
1: for you to do that because I think people will be surprised at some of them.
0: Yeah. And again, this goes back to the the extreme part of this, where most people don't do it this way, and most people probably don't have to. But I think with the combination of what I knew mold could do to your health and seeing the health issues our family was having, and knowing what I know now about epigenetics, and I think our family's kind of bad combination of genetics living in mold, I knew I had to take it to the extreme because at this point we are moving back in, right? I had to take my kids, we were out of the house, but I had to put them all back in. So I was trying to literally find every little piece of mold and take care of it. That's so, where your
1: story and our story are very similar.
0: Yep, so let me just go through the 10 sources quick. So I may, I rattled off the sec, or the two. So the main floor bathroom under the floor had the mold from probably slow toilet leak for years. And then the kitchen sink drain pipe was clogged with a faulty joint leaking into the wall of the basement. And the third one was in the basement of our the family room in the basement had a spot in the corner where it was cracked caulking on the exterior brick wall of the house, and it happened to be on the east side, right? So where rain and snow come in. So for all the years it had cracked caulking or missing caulking, I don't even know. It was just raining and snowing into the corner of our house directly into the wall. And then the basement wall around one of the windows, there was improper nailing from construction of the higher house in 2003. So there was nails that missed the two by fours and literally was like holes to the outside. I mean, under siding, but we all know water gets under siding.
1: Yep. Especially vinyl siding.
0: Yeah. So there was mold there. There was, it wasn't just that we found the nails. It was that there was mold and water damage. And then the basement utility room Um, There was old caulking around the electrical hoses. They happened to be right on the other side of the utility room. There was old caulking or no caulking. And so it was another direct source from exterior moisture right into your house. And then one of the big ones too, that you're the one who taught me this part and then proved it with your Instascope when you came back to help us. The basement below grade walls. So anything below like earth surface is called below grade. So your basement, the basement below grade walls had high levels confirmed by you and by our other air, the other sampling type lift tape all proved that it was high levels of mold from just the way walls are constructed. I don't know if you've talked about that yet.
1: A little bit. We need to get into it.
0: So that one was, it was moldy in all the walls in the basement. Yes. Yes. So then we had to rip out all those walls. Okay, so that was source number six. Seven was in our crawl space in the basement. So under the stairs, there was sheetrock with visible mold. That was the only mold any of us ever saw. Right. It was kind of old gold mold. (laughs) Not not to rhyme, but it was. And we think from just common basement humidity, right? And no air circulating in, in that space.
1: And your sump basket was in that space also.
0: Yep, yep. And then number eight, source number eight was we had four bedroom windows upstairs and downstairs that had enough household humidity problems that they were now moldy. And when you came the first time, our master bedroom, it got to the point where I stopped opening the blinds because now I was afraid, this is before I met you, I was afraid to open the blinds and stir anything up because I saw, and you can see it in winter in any Minnesota house. I mean, not my parents, because they have an old house with airflow, and so they didn't have this problem.
1: And the window wood is older and harder with tighter grain.
0: Yeah. So now you have these tightly built homes with Tyvek, and it's just keeping everything in, and the winter cold air hitting, the warm air on your inside, it's just creating moisture, and then it just drips on your window. And so we had that, and it was to the point where it was visibly moldy. So we had those replaced. And then source number nine, there was one attic roof rafter that had some damage from an improperly sealed microwave duct. So anytime you used your microwave and it produced condensation, it was literally like you could see the darkness. And then the last one was a single attic floor rafter from an improperly sealed bathroom exhaust fan. And that one was my husband's fault. (laughs) But in his defense, we had a lot going on, and we had planned on, the first time we thought we were moving out and selling, we were going to replace that exhaust fan, and he had moved it a little bit, and we didn't touch it again, and it had this this gap that was going right up into the attic, and so every time we used the shower, it was just literally creating.
1: Yeah, and to come to your husband's defense, four of the five major issues we found in our home, I have to take responsibility for. (laughs) A couple of them before I was even in the industry, but nonetheless, I caused it. But
0: I think in everyone's defense, (laughs) I hope, I mean, this is the part where I feel like people just get scared instantly when they hear, oh my gosh, like, how did you even sell your house? Like that sort of thing. But it's 10 sources of main mold. That was the, it was just the breaking point in the basement when we found the last, I was like, I can't rip any more walls. I just can't. But it's, in everyone's defense, this is how very easily mold grows. You know that. And it's just, we're a testament to that it can happen. And we, again, took it to the extreme to find them all because I had to move my family back into that house was the plan. But when we found a bunch more stuff going on in the basement walls, that was when i had had enough. I, the last one we found, I left the house, I went around town and I went to like four more apartment complexes by myself because I had moved, we had moved 150 miles away. That was the safest place we could find for this remediation to occur. And I was working full time on the weekends, trying to work full time and have remediation. It was a mess. Um, That era
1: I remember because we spent a lot of time on the front stoop or on the front lawn talking.
0: Yes. yes. (laughs) Yeah. I had to travel every weekend to come back and do my job. And luckily my husband had, his boss was amazing and let him work from home because he had the ability to kind of do that at the time. So luckily we had a lot of great people working with us to help us through this. It was never supposed to be seven weeks long. Right. But that's just what happened when we found more mold. I said, I just told the remediator, okay, now you have to go check this place because now I'm afraid it's there. In 90% of the places I said to look, it was. Right.
1: And what was his response? Because I remember, but I want you to tell people what happened when you were directing or guiding in that way. Do you remember or do you want me to tell? (laughs) And I'm not looking for you to be, I don't want anybody to be picked on this unnecessarily, but I want you to demonstrate amongst certain people, belief comes hard if you can't see it visually and especially in our industry. And this was part of the issue with this one. And I want you to share it because I'm telling you so many people have this experience and I want them to hear that experience so that they don't think that all of this went perfectly glossy for you and that you came out on the other side. It got really ugly, actually.
0: Well, it did. And every time, and like he had plans to be there only five days, right? And it ended up being six weeks because every time we found a new source, I was like, oh, gosh, I would think of two more places that I needed him to look. And then throughout that, they would only—they kind of weren't listening to all my instructions either, because the main guy was sort of the middleman, telling people what to do, and they'd cut the wall two feet up from the floor, two feet up, and they took that all. out. But you should have just went to the—they the, only had
1: a foot and a half more to go,
0: exactly on, on some of them. these. So then yeah. they had to go to the ledge and do more. But yeah, every time I said that, it was—it was very. Oh gosh, I had to have my husband come in because I couldn't hold back. I was just so—I mean, I'm upset with the whole situation that we're going through this and they just keep finding mold. I wasn't necessarily mad that it was their fault. Right. I mean, some of the parts were, but I just had a hard time keeping it in just all my emotions. So I'd have my husband come in and take care of some of that, but I don't know the instance you're talking about, but I remember one where he failed the second post clearance testing. And he said, I never would have failed that if you hadn't, if Dean hadn't gone in the wall and tested. Exactly. And I'm like, (laughs) exactly. He's never failed. You know, he'd failed a couple in the past. I'd asked him that before we hired him. He'd failed maybe a handful of post-clearance tests, but then took care of it. He definitely has never had a client like me who, I don't know. I don't want to say I made him fail. I just took it to the level of like, I need you to prove that this is clean. And it wasn't.
1: Well, you were an advocate Mm -hmm. And you were not a lazy advocate. You were very diligent in your advocacy for yourself and your family. And it catches people off guard. And the thing that also catches and is going to catch more people off guard is the traditional way of doing PRV, post-remediation verification, with air sampling, traditional air sampling, which I've done testing in our own building, is – I can set up two air sampling cartridges in the same spot as my Instascope wand. I can run 10 minute sample on all three mm-hmm. and I will have numbers like seven or nine or 11 as the spore counts in an aerosol trap on the Instascope. The number is 916. So the accuracy of the counting and what the Instascope sees is what's going to change the dynamics of how deep we now go for mold remediation, but that we don't have to tear an entire house down anymore to find it because we can actually get to pinpointing it more. So yeah, that was a really amazing time, but here's the other piece with this. And I don't know if you remember this part, this sticks with me like it was yesterday. When we got to the house, when I arrived that night and we both went to the door, Mm -hmm. the house was under such high negative pressure the way they had it. And this is where our current standard of care in the IICRC Is incorrect to direct all of us to put every remediation zone under negative pressure. It is wrong, wrong, wrong. And all of us who are in the profession need to become professional and understand why. Here's what happened we walked in. I don't know if you remember, we could hardly get the door shut. So the door flew out of the knob, flew out of my hand open because there was such negative pressure, right? Mm hmm. Obviously, some in our industry would say, well, he wasn't measuring, it wasn't at five pascals, he should have had it toned down. Back where the dryer vent was, air was rushing into the house. Where the microwave vent had been, it was rushing to the house. The bath fan vents, it was rushing to the house. Here was the craziest part. And this is where people who do traditional sampling don't even understand that this could even happen. When I crawled underneath the steps and I was doing sampling, I got to the sump basket. And if I would have been wearing a baseball hat, it would have knocked the hat off my head for yeah. the air that was coming out of the ground yeah. because of the negative pressure. And I sample sump baskets. It's the first and only sump basket I've ever measured that had a zero spore count. He had pulled so much air through the earth. There were no more spores left in your system, in the drainage system underneath the house. Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy.
0: Yep. That's
1: a discussion for another day. But crazy nonetheless. It was. And so you were dealing with little things like that that weren't the perfect approach to taking best care of your family. And that's where you sharing your story and so many people getting to hear these irregularities and then connect with, oh, that happened to me. This is going to be so many light bulbs turning on for so many people. And that's why I'm so thankful that you guys are at where you're at. You've come through this part and you're here right now to be able to share this with people, to help them. And who knows how many thousands of people and then thousands and thousands through a couple of generations even that your story is going to impact. That is what's cool.
0: And I think the best part of our story, you know, now that we've gone through how we found mold, why we thought of it, the health issues and the kind of suspicions and where we found it because we took it to the extreme, we got that all taken care of we, I didn't finish the story saying we ended up finding an apartment that we moved out of that house. We never went back. We got the house rebuilt, put back together, full disclosure, you know, a two inch black binder that I gave to the, whoever was going to buy the house. Here's what we did. Here's how we took care of it. We ended up selling that house and it was the best end of 2018 I could have ever asked for. But the really amazing part is that once we were out of all mold like completely out of any mold anywhere. It took at least eight weeks, if not 12 before, it was probably eight weeks, but Jesse and I did not actually want to verbally say it out loud because it was like every time we said it out loud, something flared up. But our youngest daughter's eczema cleared up. And I would say 99% cleared up. And that's how we knew it was from this mold. We knew it was the cause because nothing else that we had tried or done worked other than and what I didn't say is we we took it to the other extreme and threw 90% of our belongings away, right? Anything porous for sure. And maybe in this time in the world with how mold remediation can be done or cleaning can be done, maybe that's not the answer anymore. But we're so happy we did that and didn't bring any of that stuff with us to our new place. I don't know that she would have gotten any better. And then we wouldn't have really known. And And at at the the very
1: least, you didn't have to babysit all of your stuff.
0: Oh, yeah, I know. And the other good thing is it gave us this, like forced us into living minimally. And we love it, all five of us. And it gave us a fresh start, right? We had to start over. And at the time, it was super painful, super, super painful, especially with emerging multiple chemical sensitivities in me mostly, where buying anything new was really hard because everything was making me react. And by the way, my MCS, my multiple chemical sensitivity reactions were exactly the same as mold reactions. So that was super hard because anything we brought in, I'm like, is it because it's new or is it because it's moldy or, you know, it was really terrifying.
1: That makes you anxious besides, which stresses your system even more.
0: Exactly. And it
1: raises emotions in the whole house. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yep. But I guess the, and maybe that's another podcast in the future. Is Absolutely. About life after mold, because before we got on this call, we were talking, I was telling you how it's been a year since we got out and it finally, just in the last couple of months, feel like we're starting to, to like emerge from the science fiction well, science, nonfiction yeah. part of this whole yeah, and come back to like normal life where we're doing a couple normal things and, I'm not this like anxiety ball, just curled up and afraid to leave our apartment. But yeah, so a lot of, you know, the viral induced asthma went away. Um, Our daughter doesn't, that's not showing up. And then the eczema went away. That was such a huge blessing in and of itself. We still have some anger issues, but they're definitely not the same as when we were living in mold. So that was interesting. Moving out of our mold house into another moldy house brought on new anger that's a very common reaction it is very toxic mold it doesn't it's kind of woo-woo right
1: Yes it is but It's a I good think, way to put it
0: I think people listening to this podcast are gonna I think relate like you're not crazy it's all of those things are legitimate things and it is have,
1: it is hard on relationships
0: Oh yeah oh yeah and luckily my husband is an amazing person human being and
1: yeah both cares. of you are and so are your kids.
0: Yeah. Right? Oh my gosh. My kids. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're resilient. You all were resilient and you pulled your way through it. That's what's so encouraging to me.
0: Yeah. You know, and we're one, I feel like that was just such a hopeless time, that whole project that I hope we can be a beacon of light for other people that we took it to the extreme to figure it all out. But I'm also the kind of person that needs to know all of the things too. Yes. It makes me feel better. <laughs> And then getting, care, you know, our youngest, she gets out and her eczema clears away. And, and then we know that it was definitely a contributing factor, the mold, the hidden mold, I should say, it was the hidden mold that was the problem. And then all the rest of the mold didn't help. But um, yeah, it's, it was a really painful, terrifying, hard thing to go through, but we did it. And thank you to Dean for showing up as many times as you did to help me through that and all the phone calls and my gosh, I must've sounded like a crazy person to you, even though you knew where I was coming from. It was. hard.
1: If I didn't know what I knew, yes, yeah. you would sound like a crazy person to me. The amazing thing is once you can recognize it, mm-hmm. I knew that there was something in your family that was, that was definitely worth investing because I knew that we could have a really positive outcome the way you were aiming, the investment returns. That There's a huge return on that investment because I know that we get to success at the end of it. Because yes. it's hard being in a certain position, and I imagine medical practitioners, dentists, you name it, anyone who takes care of people, when people fail to listen or they can't implement and go through, it actually taxes, the, in a sense, the caregiver. And so... I've been part of social media groups and the sky is always falling and you try and lift people up and you try and give them a helping hand. You try and give them the advice that they need that you know will help them. And then they refuse to do it and you're just kind of helpless. So you guys are a classic case study for if you can muster the strength and if you can advocate for yourself and if you can choose to be the hero of your story, but look for those people to guide you. You can have a really good outcome.
0: Yeah. And oh my gosh, all the life lessons we've learned through. Oh yeah. I never would want to go through that again. I don't, that is not what I'm saying, but the things that we learned, I mean, just along the way, yeah, we're still healing. We have a long ways to go, but yeah, it's amazing. The things that we've learned and our kids have learned. Yeah. Like you said, they're, they're really resilient. My husband is amazing and carried us through. He was kind of the glue throughout this I mean, he had his moments too, but yeah, it was a very crazy time of our life.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. So, yeah. You have such an amazing story. And obviously, like you've already indicated, I really, I think we've barely scraped the surface, obviously, because there's so many other things that we can talk about. And I've mentioned this before, and I've had the list in front of me, but just the list in front of me of things that we have, we have questions or topics to discuss. I think we have a a list of 162 items and each of those items could take days to go through. And so obviously there's more things that I know that you're going to learn on your journey because again, you're a lifelong learner. Jesse's a lifelong learner. You're instilling that in your children. So all of you are learning together. So obviously there's going to be more wisdom now that's going to come also that obviously you're going to be able to share. And so while you're at this point where you're about a year out, I'm about three and a half years out from being treated and being better. And I tell you, whatever PTSD might be to whoever, there's that reality of that emotional strain that takes place. It takes time to get removed from it, to be able to deal with it. Because I'll tell you, there was a big struggle in me, even though I had a passion to go tell people the story and try and help. There was equally another part inside of me that was battling against it that said, go do something else. Because this stuff is not pain-free. Financially, it's hard. Health-wise, it's hard. Emotionally, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And you've touched on all of those things so wonderfully tonight. And again, I want people who are listening, I want you to comment. When you listen to this podcast, I want you to go to maybe our, our Facebook page and comment there. I want you to be able to share your concerns, your questions. And then also, if you've got some of these success moments or success stories, like what Laura has shared, put those in the comments too, because people are going to look at these things. And when we're at our darkest moments, we're just looking for sunshine. And I am so thankful for all of our kids. I'm so thankful for my wife. And then I'm actually, I'm still thankful for clients like you who become good friends because we all kind of have this commonality. And when you have an identified passion that's very similar to then spread the news to other people that, hey, there's a better way and there's a way out of this, those are good times in life. And so the more we can spread that to people, the better off everyone's going to be. Definitely. So where do you think you go from here?
0: Oh, gosh. Well... That's a good question. Cause we, like I said, we're just kind of coming back to reality. Yeah, I didn't tell you this either, but we started homeschooling our kids because Briella just needed a break from the sickness. I'm like, you just need some healing.
1: And I'm just going to say amen because we've homeschooled our whole life. So yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of that.
0: Yep. And it's, we're going on year number two here. So outside people, as in some of our close family, I mean, we've, we've become very socially isolated first with the types of food that yes, we, eat. the diet has done that. And the fact that our youngest Cameron can't, she can't touch dairy. She can't touch egg. She can't touch gluten.
1: You can't go hang out at Culver's with friends or go meet people because no. there's nothing there for you to eat.
0: Exactly. And Not I'm to just, pick
1: on Culver's everyone. That's kind yeah. of an upper Midwest thing, but
0: well, yeah. And so the diet change was socially isolating and then, and then this thing, This mold thing, people just kind of look at you like you're nuts. Like, yeah, so what? You have mold. Like, take care of it with some bleach. It's not that simple. Right. And then people really think you're crazy when you accidentally come across as the anxiety ball you're trying not to be. Yes. And so, yeah, it's just we've kind of gotten to this point where we are slowly coming out of our safe apartment and doing some things and seeing people. From here, it's really about our kind of next journey is heavy metal detox. And I think there's a thing out there called HMD that we're not doing that. It's, it's more of a low dose chelation because there's this thing out there in this group of people that you and I are kind of familiar with where there's some of us that are so susceptible to toxic mold even more than the regular person because of our epigenetics and because we're hanging on to these heavy metals. Yep. And I have a, a naturopath that I see that is basically, she's like, all your symptoms are very classic of heavy metals. So we're working towards that very soon. I have, a you know, I have a hypothyroidism kind of protocol I'm on too. So it's it's going to be a heavy year. Of Can I history.
1: ask you a quick question?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: On the heavy metal, did you guys do the hair sample?
0: Nope. She, oh, doesn't, int- she doesn't even test for it. She's just so. Interesting. Like, you have it. <laughs>
1: I'm not going mean, to doubt her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, she's she's got so many clients over so long that, and I've, been, I've done enough of my research that I wasn't even concerned of, we don't test for Lyme. I just kind of pretty sure we all have it, at least me. Yeah, so that's kind of our next year is very detox related. And we're still dealing with like the PTSD and the, um, I think just detoxing mold out.
1: Absolutely. So it it doesn't happen overnight.
0: No, 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 it does not. It it takes
1: your, yeah, it takes your body system a long time to clear out some of those corners sometimes. So.
0: Yep. And then I think we kind of touched on parasites a little bit. That's a huge, that's another. I think we have
1: 43 more episodes to do. (laughs) (laughs) I think in some of them we better have a naturopath with us who, who can explain that and, I don't know, maybe we'll even get a functional medicine doctor who is caught up to all of this. So more and more they're coming on board, but yep. they've got a long way to go. and That's hard to tell a functional medicine doctor because they've had a lot more schooling than I have. Yep. They know a lot more about anatomy than I do. But through my experience and through kind of experience with clients, I know that some of us know more than they do about where we need to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's a whole bunch more. Obviously, you've done so much research, and you've been such a good mama bear in your family to learn what you've learned and Jesse to go along on this whole journey at the same time. And you guys traveling together, even through the toughest moments, that's really key because you have so much that you're going to share with other people the rest of your life about this. And so that's a really cool place to be. So yeah, I, I think we give time it's due and we figure out maybe what the next best thing At some point, I think you should come back, and I think we should talk more. And before the phone call, people missed this, but we kind of had an impromptu. uh, My wife Lorna was here in the office, and we kind of had just a little roundtable discussion that was fun because Lorna and Laura had not yet met Mm face-to-face. And I could tell that I could have just as well hit record, and I could have walked out of the room, and y'all would have been super blessed by what they would have talked about. So I still believe, if we can convince Lorna, that the two of you should probably get on and probably share. And I think that would be huge for people.
0: That would be fun. That would yeah. be super fun. Well,
1: what do you have? What else would you want to share as last words or encouragement for people?
0: Oh, I think the biggest thing is that mold really does affect your health. I mean, I think a lot of people don't think it can, but I think your listeners are probably already to the, early to the understanding that it does, but I guess the takeaway from our story is a lot of it's hidden and you touched on that in your other episodes that it's the hidden stuff. That's really troublesome because you can't see it. And when what people can't see, they don't believe. Right. 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 Um, And I think the second biggest thing is though, listen to your intuition. And I was telling you before we got on that we, our family has learned to do that so well over the last two years, just, because of the ways we didn't listen to our gut and then we eventually had to because (laughs) it was the right answer, you got to listen to your intuition and follow it.
1: Yes. So to remind people, I'll go over and over and over again with this is if you took all my tools away and all I had was my experience and my ability to ask questions, and this is what took place with Laura and Jesse and I, because at that time, shortly before that, two months before that, I didn't have the Instascope tool that gives me this extra data set. So I relied on people's testimony about what was going on in their house. And it was very common to spend an hour and a half to two hours just sitting and talking about the house. And the amazing thing is people will avoid areas of their house. I'll have moms who will take me through every room in the house. They'll go in the room first, they'll turn the lights on. And then we get to a room in the basement and they kind of either reach around the corner or they kinda of like push the door open and then they like make me go in and turn the light on. Well, that's an interview question. And that person is their gut, their body is saying, There's something wrong in that room. Yep. You're right. Maybe so,
0: that's why I didn't clean that bathroom as often.
1: <laughs> there is truth in that too. Yes. True. Yep. It's so
0: true. intuition is a big thing. You just gotta learn to is. listen to it and go with yeah. it. It's always right.
1: Yeah. Well, that is way cool. I am so glad you came and you shared your story because there's a bunch of little pieces, of course, that you filled in the blanks for me since we last saw each other. Mm -hmm. And I love hearing the success. I love hearing the hope in your voice. And for those people who don't understand, most of these were actually video recording too. So Laura and I can actually see each other on a Zoom format while we're audio recording. It's just easier to do an interview that way. And there's just such brightness and such hope and such bounce in a sense In everything that she's saying and everything that she's doing compared to kind of the terror, the frustration, the anxiety, and everything that went with the period that they went through, just like we did. And I so empathized with them when I showed up on the driveway the first time because I could see it and I could feel it. And it felt just like home. And we weren't that far removed from it. So it's been an amazing journey to have these little gaps, but to have been connected in this way. And I think we talked about it even at that point. Even at that point, I think you saw the hope that was coming or that could come because even at that point, when we last saw each other, you had kind of made a statement that you wanted to be a difference maker going forward for people. And obviously you're following through on that and you followed through to have the ability to do that. So I really appreciate everything you've done and that that you're here and sharing with everybody.
0: Oh, I'm so happy that you asked me to come on and share our story because I knew it was a big one, right? It's just, how can it not be? But even more than that, I'm so thankful for you, Dean, for all the help that you gave us and just the hope and the confidence you gave us to move forward with all of this was really just, we wouldn't have been able to do any of it without Dean. That's for sure.
1: Providence has its way, right? That's right. (laughs) All right. Well, let's close this down for now. So everyone who's listening, I hope you enjoyed this one. I actually didn't want to break this into two separate segments. I really wanted this to flow as one contiguous piece because I kind of knew where her heart was and where she wanted to go with this. And so I know this took a little extra time. Maybe some people had to take a break, go into work, and then do their commute home. And I hope you're okay with that because this to me was so powerful for so many people to be able to just sit and just be and just listen to her story. And so really, I would love to hear your comments. I want to know if this impacted you in a positive way. If these are things that are helping you, and then if these are, absolutely tell your friends and relatives, get them connected to the podcast, maybe play a segment for them. And there's going to be other opportunities you're going to have to interact with us as we build out things in the background to get more educational pieces out to everyone that you can have your hands on that are really dependable, they're middle of the road, They're common sense oriented and will give you hope and a confidence that you can conquer and that you can come ahead of all of this stuff. So we're here to help and guide. Laura was awesome because she has the same heart. So does Jesse, her husband. And so I really am thankful that all of you came to listen to the podcast and so thankful that you invest the time. Now go out and invest in others and give others hope too. And we'll see you next podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Manage Mold Podcast. Do you have a question that you'd like me to answer raw and uncut on the podcast? All you need to do is head over to Apple Podcasts and do three simple things. Leave a rating and review telling me what you think of the podcast. In that review, ask anything you want related to your home's health. And if you want a shout out, leave your Instagram handle or name. That's all. Then... Listen in to hear your question answered live, raw, and uncut. This is Dean Malstead. Join us next time on Manage Mold.